Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We've become the source for authenticity and exactitude for everyone here in Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley, on this station, 1180 WFYL. And we thank you, folks, because you're here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. right with us. Because I, I believe it's because we offer expert pontification and uh, we, we get into the unexplainable. We, we do offer an explanation for the unexplainable, and we do that with pinpoint accuracy. So thank you all for tuning in, for being with us today on this show. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Let's jump right into this a little bit. I, I want to comment a little bit <clears throat> about the uh, <clears throat> about the Never Trump Central and the and the prov to propaganda and the fake news and what they're saying and what they're saying because they they kind of hid they're 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 hiding the make China great again Biden's message is what they're doing they're 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 failing to report the news all right they they just are and and I think what's interesting is you're looking right now and they're trying to if you I mean if you have the stomach to watch the fake news <clears throat> the prob the propaganda is putting out there what what Biden's up to. And and I guess they're now starting to talk about the possibility of where Biden wants to take this country. Now the truth is coming out. Now they're talking about more lockdowns, mandatory masks. Now they're talking about rooting out systemic racism, <laughs> removing Trump's tax cuts. Now they're talking about providing health care to illegal immigrants and ending private health care. Now they're now they're talking about removing cash bails and eliminating disorder crimes. And you're starting to hear a little of the scuttle on this, but it really is kind of getting more into the lockdowns. They're more concerned about the lockdowns. And I think what's interesting is the media malpractice that allowed all this disinformation to begin with and allowed all this, this well, all the uninformed Americans that came out, uh, well, prevented them from getting the facts. I mean, America was unaware of the promised punishments to success and to innovation. They were unaware of this. See, America was unaware because the, the fake journalists on the fake news was not providing any journalism. Okay. They weren't, they weren't digging into the stories. They weren't trying to figure out what Biden was really up, what, what he was really up to. You know, the promised limitations to individualism, the promised attack on America's education with the re-education and the reconditioning of our young people in our schools and our universities. Because of the media malpractice, America was totally unaware, totally unaware of who these people really, really are. And that really is the disservice that they, that they provided to the public. See, the fake news were acting as enemies of the people. They were not getting into Biden's cognitive decline. They were not getting into the questions about his mental acuity. They were not getting into the questions about how he would just drift off after a few minutes uh, with, with a long six-hour day. They weren't getting any of this. They weren't getting into any of this. And as a result of that, the election took place without that information up front, without any of it. I mean, the public did not, and they were not aware of Biden's intention to eliminate disorder crimes. They don't even know what a disorder crime is. It never came out. But that is a significant, that, that is a significant goal of, of, of this socialist. That, that's what the goals are of these anarchists. What's interesting is that the people that brought about, I should say the evil 
that brought about the the the, the decline of, of of certain civilizations through through history. I mean, it's they always use scandal, self interest, improper governance, and political chaos. So they create political chaos, and they they fail to to point to ideas that would be improper governance. And they fail to unveil the self-interests and the scandals surrounding Mr. Biden and his family. So they protected him. They protected him by not revealing the scandals and the self-interest stories. And they failed to to put forward to the public the policies and the ideas, if you will, the milestones, their goals of these end America, make China great again you know, Democrats, which would have pointed to the improper governance that they would have in, they would have intended on this country. And of course, they create the political chaos with the defund the police anarchist groups that are out there. And of course, the media is out there watching the political chaos, buildings burning, the looting's happening. And as they're saying, it's mostly peaceful. Those same journalists were out front of these canvassing rooms in Philadelphia and Detroit with the with the canvassing observers who were who were legitimately legally required and obligated to be in these rooms being prevented from being in these canvassing rooms and as they're standing around outside waiting to get into these rooms waiting for court orders to 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 enforce the law and and bring these people into these canvassing rooms allow these people into these canvassing rooms to see the canvassing of the absentee ballots. The media were standing out there talking about how it was getting unruly and how these people were becoming, quote unquote, dangerous. I mean, this is what the misinformation that these people put out there. And now they're starting to be, well, now they're starting to point it out. Now they're starting to point it out. Like I said, more lockdowns, mandatory masks, I mean, this is just the beginning. I mean, they're they're shunning they're shunning the 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 uh, the the vaccination that's coming out, the Pfizer. I mean, you've already got the Democrats. They're already declaring that they want to take these twenty or forty million vaccinations that were already purchased by the president. And by the way, one of the greatest achievements of President Trump in this COVID in this COVID situation, one of his greatest achievements. You've heard us talk about it here on the show was the creation, I should say, the, the cooperation he got and the coordination he, he brought together with the private industry to create the, the most PPEs that this country's ever seen, to create, the, to create so many PPEs that we became a chief exporter of PPEs in this country and in this world. I mean, in 60 days, he literally took us from rags to riches in PPEs uh, through coordination with the private sector and alignment and, you know, through deregulations and whatnot. He was able to bring that together. One of the biggest uh, accomplishments of his of, 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 of his COVID, of his COVID administration, if you will, and management of this COVID crisis was to bring together this private industry. But another one was these with these vaccinations. He literally did the purchasing of these vaccinations so that he would remove the liability or some of the liability from from the 
the pharmaceutical companies so that he could distribute these vaccinations quickly to the public and uh, a safe vaccinations to the public. But he did this by removing the risk to the pharmaceutical companies uh, or some of the risks. I think what's interesting on in all of this is and, and, and Trump did this. Trump did this by deregulating, removing and cutting through all that red tape. You know, I mean, he, he literally made it happen. I mean, recently, I believe there was 50,000 people who had taken this vaccination and with absolutely no side effects. I mean, no harsh side effects for any of these people and um, 90% effective. Now, what's interesting on a vaccination is they're never 90% effective. They're usually about 50 to 70% effective, uh, certainly flu vaccination type things. I mean, you can get vaccinated against smallpox and that's very effective or polio. That's very effective. I mean, sometimes you can get vaccinations against, uh, you know, uh, um, germs, if you will, a whole lot easier than you can viruses. Viral vaccinations are not near as effective as the vaccinations for bacteria, bacteria, not germs, bacteria vaccinations. But whatever the case, he brought this together and this vaccination is going to be something special. And the media is out there talking. I mean, you got Cuomo out there declaring that it's not safe. You got governors out there declaring it's not safe. And now they're saying they need to ship this over to Europe and let them use it because they want they want the liability end of it. I think what's interesting, well, whatever their reasons, I really don't know. Maybe it's to perpetuate the mandatory masks and the and the and the uh, the lockdowns, the perpetual lockdowns. Maybe that's what they want. They don't want a vaccination. They they want this political chaos that came from COVID. They want this to continue, so they can get away with their improper governance and continue to cover up the scandals and their self-interest that goes on within their within the people of their party and the leadership of their party. That's the truth of it all. But the public is really not, the public is going to get a real view of what these people are all about as time goes on. But it's just interesting, and I wanted to point that out because I, I don't want our people to, uh, to miss that. But I want to jump a little bit in, into the, election the cheating the, the fraud and whatnot and how that's continuing and uh you know i mean they're they're we're seeing the battlegrounds now i mean i guess there's one judicial battleground that's 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 coming up and there's a, there's the other one that's with the battle counting the bat the ballot counting the ballot counting the vote counting those that count the votes are in, are the ones that really have the the, the control but I think what's interesting is what's going on in Georgia is the hand recounting and how they're going to be matching the actual ballots, the ballot envelopes from the absentee ballots. See, their system in Georgia is just like it is here in Pennsylvania. I think it's interesting on that. Their system in Georgia is very similar to what it is here. Okay, you have, you know, you've got ballots, absentee ballots that have a chain of custody that has to be observed and the chain of custody includes a signature on the back of the envelope or the secrecy envelope. So what, but, but in Georgia, they kept the envelopes. I want to make sure we're clear on that in Georgia, they kept the envelopes and anyway, so, but here they, uh, in Pennsylvania, I, I don't think they kept them consistently everywhere, but whatever the case is, what they're going to be doing and what they are doing in Georgia 
is they're doing some sort of a uh, a uh, like a risk assessment, if you will. Okay, a limited risk assessment of sorts, and and they're basically going into this, and they're matching the envelopes with the actual ballot. I think that's interesting. So they're back. They 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 were looking. They were saying this is going to be impossible. They were saying it's going to be impossible. They were saying for them to, uh, you know, for them to, to match the votes with the envelopes. So what somebody brilliantly suggested, well, don't match the vote, match the envelope with the vote. In other words, take the take the envelope and then look for that person's vote. I think that's an that's an interesting thing to to, to it's a it's just a different perspective, but it helps them because they're matching the envelopes and they're going to go through and find the fraud. But risk limiting audits are something that they're doing down there and, and they are making it uh, specific to uh, and, and, and what they are, they're full hand recounts, full hand recounts slash audits. And it's a recanvassing they're doing at the same time and they're doing it for specific races and they're, well, they're doing it across the state, but they could do it for specific counties, but they're doing it all across the state. And they're doing it for the president's race. So they're going to they're going to get to this It's the risk limiting audit or an RLA. And they're doing this. I think it's very important. They're doing this in Georgia. You see. Here in Pennsylvania, we had specific Democrat counties that did not follow the law. And allow ballot canvassing observers to see and confirm the chain of custody requirements on the absentee ballots during the entire canvassing process. That's a fact. And of course, we had the election officials defied court orders and allow ballot canvassing observers to see and confirm that the chain of custody requirements were in fact being met. So they they defied the court order. So when these ballot canvassers observers were not allowed in, the court ordered that they be allowed in and be able to observe. And of course, they were allowed in, but not allowed to observe. So they defied the court orders. And within a few days now of all of this, of course, and, and then of course, of course, you had the, the, the U.S. Supreme Court justice who ordered that the, that the ballots be separated. In other words, the ballots that came in after Tuesday would be separated from the main lot of ballots. So they would have, they would be able to figure out which is which. Well, some of this just didn't occur. I mean, it just didn't occur. The ballots that arrived after election day or well, they're illegal votes were then mixed with the legal votes. And now because the envelopes were, were not saved and the evidence was discarded, they can't be forensic, forensically set, you know, matched together like they're doing in Georgia. But there was an 85-page complaint that the Trump's lawyers put together in just a few days, or 105-page. It was a huge complaint that they put together, listing thousands of specific illegal incidents that occurred all over the state. Now, we're going to be posting that on our website, BurksGOP.com, and on our social media, But because I want, our, I want people to see this, okay? When we get our hands on it, it's going to be posted. But the key comes down to is the state legislature, the state legislature must not certify any illegal votes. And due to the inability to forensically, you know, separate the, well, to forensically match up the votes and peel out the illegal votes, 
they shouldn't certify the election because you really can't discern which are illegal and which one aren't. They made it made it very difficult for us to do that. And that was that was by design, folks. That was by design. The assembly, the state assembly in Pennsylvania has got to get involved in this. They've got to. I expect this is going to be a real mess with the secretary of state, but it's going to be a it's going to be. It, you know, it's going to be a, a heavy lift. It really is. But the law is on our side and, and, and we can't we can't get wobbly. We can't we can't have any weakness in our DNA here. You know, we just got to put up the fight and close the deal on these election cheaters. And that's what we've got to do. You know, we need our elected legislators in front of the microphones, in front of the sticks, putting up the fight. We need a unified message that's going to con- that we will continue to count all legal votes and not one illegal vote is going to be counted. This needs to be the message and I'm not hearing it. I'm concerned because I I understand that the state has already said they're going to certify the election based upon the votes, so they're going to punt to the US Supreme Court is what they're going to do because they lack the fortitude to stand and fight on this and and that's another topic for another day. But make no mistake about it, they are not putting up the fight that the Democrats would do if it, if the tables were turned. You can believe that. They would not be punting to the court. When you got the law on your side, you got the law on your side. When you've seen defied court orders and a deliberate attempt to obfuscate and, and to intermingle legal ballots with illegal ballots because you didn't you didn't confirm or the chain of custody was not confirmed or the chain of custody was missing on these ballots. So they're counting ballots with no signatures on the envelopes. They're counting ballots that aren't using the proper envelopes. They're counting ballots that are filled out in pencil or whatever. They're just counting illegal ballots, okay, whatever it is. If they don't have a chain of custody, if they don't follow a certain chain of custody, they're illegal. It's as simple as that. Absentee ballots have a strict chain of custody. When that's broken, the ballot is not counted. So what Philadelphia did, because we were talking about this on our show, and we've been talking about this. I've been highlighting this. What Philadelphia, I mean, Pennsylvania had banked on this chaos on Election Day. They had banked on these votes coming in. And that we were saying on our show that it was not likely that these voters were going to get these absentee ballots right consistently following the chain of custody rules correctly, consistently correctly, uh, through hundreds and thousands and millions of votes. They just weren't going to be able to do it. I mean, there'd be too many of them not counting, you know, tens of thousands of them, maybe more, maybe hundreds of thousands of them. But certainly people that were we're, we're looking to fill out the ballots would would struggle to, because they don't do it often, struggle with the chain of custody rules and mess on something or miss on something. So with that happening and that going on, what we ended up with is we ended up with ballot canvassing observers not being allowed to see the canvassing of these absentee ballots. That way they would not have a record of how many they saw that were, uh, I mean, they, they were able to get some of the stuff through cameras and through, through whatnot, but make no mistake about it, they they don't have a complete list of all of this because they were prevented from seeing the ballots. It's just it's just an amazing phenomenon. The fraud that went on in Philadelphia, the the election 
the cheating, if you will, that went on in Philadelphia went on. I mean, this has been going on for 60 or 70 years in Philadelphia. Make no mistake about it. It's been going on for a long time since the Democrats ran the city. It's interesting. It's interesting. You know, the counties that are Republican counties did not have the problems that the Democrat counties did. They just didn't. I mean, Montgomery County was had it had their issues. Chester County, Delaware County had a massive amount of issues. But I mean, you know, Allegheny County. But when you look at the like Berks County, we didn't have those issues. I mean, we had some anomalies, but, but believe me when I tell you, it wasn't anything like it is in these other counties because we follow the rules. We we saved the envelopes. We separated the ballots. We followed the rules. Okay. That, that's not to say mistakes weren't made, but it's to say that there was no deliberate attempt to obfuscate and to not follow the rules. See, what would happen, and I want our listeners to understand, what's going to happen if the state legislature does not certify the election? What happens? Okay, well, what happens is it, be, it becomes what they call a uh, contingent election. Okay, it becomes a contingent election. And um, it gets pushed to the U.S. House of Representatives on January 6th. Now, you might say, oh, my goodness, Nancy Pelosi would be in charge. But no, the way the rules are, it's they would favor the Republicans because it has to do with the states and states that are controlled by Republicans. So that being said, we would win because each state gets one vote. But make no mistake, folks, we have to stand our ground. And as I stated earlier, and I don't want to miss this, as I stated earlier on this, okay, we had the ability to to do what Georgia did. I mean, Georgia set up a risk-limiting audit. They put this in place so they could do a statewide hand recount. And as I said, it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting, but they're putting this together because they're trying to preserve the integrity of their election. Now, let me give you, uh, our listeners here, something, uh, a little bit of a election law understanding. And an undervote is when people do not vote for all the candidates on the slate. When I uh, voted in the primary, uh, you know, there was no Democrat I should say there was no Republican running for district attorney. So I voted, I hand wrote somebody in. So I wouldn't have an undervote. Okay. But whatever the case is, you, you vote for an undervote or whatever. Okay. So you vote, but an undervote is when you only vote for a handful or one or whatever amount of the candidates, but you don't vote for the whole slate. Well, in Georgia, there were 96,000 plus ballots that only had Joe Biden on it. I mean, they didn't have senators or anybody else. It was just Joe Biden. But certainly, maybe the story's a little off, and maybe they had some other things on there, but they were undervotes. 96,000 of them. There was 800 of them for Trump. Now, the, the reason I'm bringing that up is because it's a huge inconsistency that points to something more severe, and that is the fraud that took place. See, fraud is usually... It's like, uh, it's like when you look at different indicators, okay? I mean, you can believe the, when you look at a condition, okay, a condition that you're, a certain condition, it's usually the result of a larger condition, okay? I should say the symptoms 
of an illness are the result of an illness. Okay, the symptoms aren't the illness; they're just the symptoms. They're the they're the 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 um the problems that come from the overall illness. But the symptoms point to the illness. The symptoms point. Some of the symptoms of of vote cheating or illegal or vote you know vote fraud, voter fraud. Some of those some of those symptoms are things like undervotes, and when you see the percentages of undervotes and how many undervotes. It's very telling. And so when you look at the undervotes and what took place with regard to in Georgia, 96,000 plus undervotes for for Biden and only 880 or something for Trump, that's very significant. It's almost 100 to 1. I mean, think about it. I mean, that's just an amazing thing. It's something that is 100 to 1 or more than 100 to 1, 110 to 1 or something. It's like unbelievable. It's not it's not normal. It's not normal. So I don't want to miss that. And I'm trying to bring that. I want to bring that to light here because that's evidence to me that there's a, a, a deeper, more. More uh, dangerous, if you will, situation in place here. I mean, that's an indication of fraud. It's an indication of a bigger uh, systemic problem. OK, and that's what we see. Now, in Pennsylvania, you got a lot of this as well, but I, I wanted to point that out because I think it's important that we understand that. But what you're seeing a lot of on the news and, and you know, you even have this out there. The fake news is out there now. They're they're putting out there, uh, you know, Biden is coming up with his, you know, the president elect. They're all calling him the president elect. That is a disservice to the American public, folks. That's what that is, because we don't have a president elect until the Electoral College meets. It does not exist. Okay, it doesn't exist. That what we have is a PR war going on, a public relation war, a publicity war. We have a psych ops going on right now. We have the media trying to do what they can to turn this around for Biden because they know they don't have the votes. They know there's fraud and they know the longer that Trump digs into this, they're going to find more and more of it. They know this. So that they, they know there's a timeline and they're basically trying to insist that Trump comes forward with the evidence as quick as possible. Now, now, well, Trump's compiling the evidence and he's making the cases and it's coming together. But make no mistake about it. When you have the recounts take place in Georgia and Arizona, I expect Trump will win. You're going to find you're going to find the the fraud. I mean, they're going to they're actually going to be digging into this. They're going to be in. They're going to be doing a forensic analysis of the ballots in Georgia and in Arizona. These hand recounts are that because they're they're really taking the time to match people, especially when they're undervotes. Who are these people? Okay, this type of thing occurs, and, and immediately what you're having is you're having a lot of questions that are that are arising from this. So we we got to be careful, and we just got to make sure we're on the right page with it. But we have to delegitimize the illegal main, the, the, the illegal mail-in ballots, and that's what we have to do. See, what we have is we, we don't have a president-elect, as I stated. What we have is a president in a contested election. That's what we've got. And the secretary of state, well, cannot have electors without certifying the votes. We know that, too. And we can't have the secretary of state certify the votes when the General Assembly says we have a problem. So the first thing they have to do is get compliance from the General Assembly. 
i.e. Pennsylvania punting to the Supreme Court. This is very distressing to me, but I, it's not it, it. It's only distressing in as much as I think if the recounts go well in Arizona and, Penn, and Georgia, I think it's going to put a lot of focus and a lot of effort here in Pennsylvania. And I think the law is on our side. I mean, I believe it is. There's there's a, a lot of different ways the Supreme Court can rule into this. But, uh, you know, when when they're told by the Supreme Court justice to separate the ballots and they're not, they're mingling the ballots. But when they're told to separate them and they don't do it, they defy a court order. Everything that happens after that court order can de- delegitimize those votes. And the Supreme Court can simply rule that the Supreme Court could also rule a new election take place. The Supreme Court could rule that the votes don't get certified at all. OK, and they could opt to push this to the U.S. legislature, U.S. Congress. If nobody gets 270 electoral votes, it goes to the Congress. So they can just simply say, we're not certifying Pennsylvania's votes for president, period. And and they could say that. I mean, there's things that they can do. And there's a lot of avenues. I mean, Biden, if Biden loses Arizona, a lot's going to change on this. And it could end up with a 268-268 tie. And if they don't certify Pennsylvania, It'd be a 268 to 248 tie, <clears throat> and then it would go to the U.S. Congress, and I think Trump would win there. Either way, this is a battle. This is a point in history. I don't want to. I don't want to miss this. I mean, we're at a point in history, at this place for a time like this, and we're involved in a real historic moment, an event that's going to be talked about for a hundred years from now, and we're involved in that. Okay. And, you know, when you look at the law and the law has to be adhered to, I mean, you have defied court orders, you have broken chain of custody rules, you got denied access to the canvassing rooms, as I pointed out, preventing the verification of the chain of custody. You have the ballots being received and counted after November 3rd, which is really, that's going to the Supreme Court anyway. But that's part of the the problem because the Supreme Court rewrote the rules. And then we have... Yeah, you know, we have dead people receiving absentee ballots and voting and things like that. I mean, this is what you have. You've got other anomalies as well. But the assembly has to get involved and, and they have to do this. And it's just it's just a very important thing that we do. I mean, they have to get into this. They're going to have to get into this, the General Assembly. Because, you see... This is the United States of America, not just America, but the United States of America. And this union of states means that states count. And not all answers come from Washington, D.C., but states do count. They're not going to let election fraud in Philadelphia pick this next president. I'm telling you, I think the Supreme Court, and and, and you'll hear it here on my show, but I mean, I, I believe they're human beings. And there's five constitutionalists on that court. And I believe that all of them are going to be looking to preserve the institutions, which the Democrats have already threatened to attack. The institutions that they've threatened to 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 attack and to dissemble, to take down. You know, the institutions like the Supreme Court itself, they want to add justices to that. The institution such as the Electoral College, they want to get rid of that. I mean, these are institutions that, I mean, it's going to come down to the fact that 
the Supreme Court is going to make a decision here and it's going to affect the election and it's going to affect the next president of the United States. And it's likely if the Supreme Court does the right thing, we'll elect Donald Trump. I believe that because I think the recounts in Arizona and Georgia are going to go Trump's way. I just do. I think there was enough irregularities that when they do a hand count, they're going to find them. I mean, like I stated in Georgia alone, 96,000 underballots for Biden. They're going to find out many of those are not right. And also the fact when they're going to match the envelopes with the vote. So when they have an envelope that doesn't have a signature, then they can't match a vote to it. And because they're doing a hand recount, they won't count the vote because the signature is the chain of custody. So when you have when you go vote in person, you sign a paper or you sign the sheet, you're 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 adhering to the chain of custody when you vote in person. You're acknowledging that you were there and that you signed the sheet and the signature is matched. But when you have a mail in ballot that's where there's no signature and then there's no chain of custody, that's an illegal vote. You don't count the illegal votes. As simple as that. You don't count them. They don't count. And I believe that the Supreme Court is going to rule that way because I believe that the letter, see, a constitutionist looks at the letter of the law and rules as per the letter of the law. And when the law says this is what constitutes a vote, then that's what it is. And they could try to leverage the Supreme Court or pressure the Supreme Court and the members of the Supreme Court, the justices, the justices themselves, by way of having Biden out there picking his cabinet before he's the president-elect, or by way of having the media out there touting every day that he's the next president, and why why aren't people congratulating him? You know, I mean, just by way of the news stories that are out there, the misinformation and the lack of information they put out there, the fact that they don't talk about the defied court orders, the fact they don't talk about that 85-page or 105-page document that the Trump administration had uh file is a complaint with thousands, thousands of verified incidents and irregularities that they can point to. Folks, make no mistake about it. The Democrats know that Trump is a fighter and he's able to do this. To, to fight this kind of a fight, you really have to have it in you to fight you, to fight it. You really do. Because this type of a, this type of a psychological information type battle, a psych war, information war, if you will, this type of a battle, this political battle is not for the faint in heart. It's not for the faint in heart. Okay. I mean, these people will be bludgeoned literally with, with the news stories and, and whatnot. And, and literally they, it, this will crush the weak, the weak minded and the, and the wobbly need. It will take them out. But Trump is none of that. They ran against well, our crusader in chief, our, our Samson, our Gideon, that's who they ran up against. And they're going to have to fight on that. And as long as the Supreme Court does the right thing, and I, I believe they will, then it ends. It'll go to the U.S. House of Representatives and be settled there. And I think the real issue comes down to, I mean, you'll have a lot of upset people, but you're also going to have a situation where there'll be no more There'll be no more absentee ballot, written ballot system in place. I mean, they're going to go back to machines everywhere. As a matter of fact, you might even see the federal government make laws pertaining to federal laws, pertaining to elections, if you will. But they're going to challenge these states to get rid of these because the states are the ones that determine how elections are handled. The federal government doesn't determine it. 
the states do. But they can put a lot of pressure on state assemblies, even Democrat state assemblies, to get rid of a, a mail-in system that can be easily challenged. They really can. And so they'll do that. And I, I think it's I think you're going to see a tightening of the rules, if you will. But it's going to take it's going to take the Supreme Court to do the right thing, certainly here in Pennsylvania, because it looks like the state legislature is punting and they don't want to deal with it. And that's that's a, that's I'm distressed over that. And I'm, I'm not happy about that at all. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty ticked off about it. I'm livid. But whatever the case is, it is what it is. And I think that because the Supreme Court is made up of human beings that want to preserve their institutions, I believe they'll do the right thing, as I said. I mean, they're human beings. They've listened to the Democrats talk about destroying and taking down these institutions, and they're one of them. I mean, for self-preservation. I mean, there's no more, there's no stronger motivation than the one of self-preservation. That is the strongest motive anyone could ever have, is the, is the, is the, is the motive of self-preservation. And I think these people know it's coming down the pike and they got five constitutionalists. They're going to rule in favor. And that's what I think they're going to do it. They want to protect their institutions. And now the Democrats will claim, well, you know, Biden got four million more votes and that's a lot of votes. And he got the popular vote. He got almost 80 million votes and blah, 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 78 million votes. But Trump will be out there declaring, well, don't worry, folks, the next four years, we're going to break that down. So, you know, how many of those are real? We're going to have the Justice Department. We're going to have, I mean, he can convene, he could convene a, a special counsel to look into these states' election rules and actually give give states like California, New Jersey, New York a, a political proctology exam, okay? And and dig right through every voting practice that they all have, including Pennsylvania. And to get them to and to to reveal the 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 vulnerabilities of elections. It's funny, I've got a friend of mine. Well, you we've heard him on our show, Rick. And uh, Rick Crump, and he makes he made a comment. He says, you know, you got to think like a cheater. If you want to catch a cheater, you got to think like a cheater. You got to try to think of as to what they're looking to do. How would they looking to break the system or cheat the system? And that's how they look at it. And I would submit, folks, that he's right. And when you when you start giving these people a self examination like that, they're going. I should say, when you give them an examination like I'm describing, they're going to they're going to uncover a lot of these shortcomings. They're going to make these. These states see where their vulnerabilities are, and they're going to prevent these states from continuing on with these weak, vulnerable election systems. And they're going to force them to do something more stable so that the public has better, you know, better confidence in the election. As I said before, what takes down civilizations across time, whether it was Rome, whether it was Greece, or whether it was, well, I mean, any civilization, you go through it all. Any civilization that actually had control over a geographic region, okay, of, of some size, you know, I mean, of some size. I mean, what takes them down is scandal. It's individual political self-interest, improper governance, and political chaos. And as I stated before, make no mistake about it. Improper governance, scandal, and self-interest can be covered up by the fake news. And when you don't have an America first agenda, but when you don't have American tradition of an honest, hard-hitting media, okay, then you're going to see you're going to see 
the fake news. We're going to see the media become the fake news and become the uh, a, a, a political operative, if you will, for the Democrat Party or for the Socialist Party or the End America Party. Okay, when the End America Party has has an ally like fake news, then you're going to see scandals and self-interest and political self-interest and and policies that will bring about massive improper governance, massive corrupt governance. When you see all of that being covered up by the fake news and then you have political chaos thrown in the mix, that's what happens. And that's what happened here. Think about all of this. The Democrats put up a candidate in Joe Biden. They put up a candidate who had much scandal. Of course, 47 years in Washington with no accomplishments, no signature accomplishments at all, with the exception of the crime bill that he put his name on, which imprisoned people. Scandal, family scandal, I mean, self-interest, improper governance, all of those policies. And when you again, you look at the policies that would bring about improper governance. I mean, think about it. Lockdowns, <laughs> economic lockdowns, mandatory masks. I mean, the promised punishment on society, calling your people, calling your society systemically evil, because racism is evil, evil. So when you're calling, when you say that your country has a systemic racism problem, you're saying that your country is systemically evil. That's what they're saying. I have a real problem with that. That's an attack on our culture and on our people. And of course, when they want to remove tax cuts, and eliminate private health care, and then open the borders and allow illegal immigrants to have health care for free, as well as other benefits for free, and in a COVID shutdown, allowing these people into the country, this, this is what they're talking about, and in expanding sanctuary cities, giving benefit to the sanctuary cities, funding the sanctuary cities. See, all of this would end with Trump because Trump's starving them out now. Sanctuary cities don't have the same funding they had four years ago. But Trump is starving them out, and now they have the hope because of a corrupt election. They're having the hope that someone else might be there to help bail them out. But I, I believe, as I've stated before, that that this isn't over. And I, I think that they're they're going to find out, and they're going to be very disappointed very quickly. I see Biden standing in front of the, the news media with his podium that says president-elect. And every time he's up there saying it, I'm like, there is no president-elect right now. He's making a claim that is a lie. It's unbelievable. Unless there's, of course, a concession, which there isn't. But their goal of eliminating gang databases and eliminating disorder crimes and removing cash bails, those goals become a reality and expanding crime. Though when when you do that, you have an increase in criminal activity. You just do. That's their goal. Again, chaos, political chaos. And of course, redirecting funding for the police, which is defunding in another term. Again, you take away the safety in the cities, the safety in the in the suburbs, you bring about a form of 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 suburban chaos, if you will. Any kind of cultural, societal chaos is what they're looking to do. And again, when you look at these civilizations of years past and centuries past, you understand that that is one element that is needed to take down that civilization. 
And, I, and that's a very concerning point for me. I mean, I, I wanted to point that out. I mean, even the Green New Deal and what that means, eliminating gas motors like they're doing in California, saying no more gas motors, no more new cars will be sold in California after 2035. Now, a short-sighted individual will say, oh, my goodness, that's 15 years from now. But people like, well, like us here on this show, because we're not short-sighted and we do see we, we do see very accurately what, what these policies mean for America. We understand, okay, because we are, I think, smarter than they are. I mean, that's just the way I see it. But whatever the case is, when we look at these, what I mean, we see this as, as, a, as a serious attack on, on our middle class by, by telling people that we will outlaw gas motors. And they'll start phasing it in. I could just see it happening, you know. Or retrofitting buildings. I mean, again, outlawing effective, efficient fuels in lieu of ineffective, inefficient fuels. Warmer houses in the summer, colder houses in the winter. This is what they have in store for us. Cars that you have to charge up. Cars that need constant repair. Heating and cooling systems that need constant repair. I mean, this is what they have in store for us. I mean, they're talking about, I, I, I listened to, a matter of fact, I had a, I had a, I want to say uh, it was a counter conversation, if you will, but it was a, it was a discussion. I'm going to say it wasn't really a debate, but for lack of a better word, lack of a better phrase, I'll call it a debate, but it was a, it was a political discussion I had on BCTV on election night with, with uh, my Democrat counterpart in Berks County, the Democrat committee chairman. He and I were discussing uh, the uh, the Sanders Communist Manifesto that Biden signed on to. Of course, he didn't like me calling it the Communist Manifesto because it became the Democrat platform. He hated me calling it that, but that's what it is, folks. And I called it right there on the show. I said, this is the Communist Manifesto, folks. That's what it is. And then I had one of the news, uh, one of the news hosts asked me, uh, are you saying that Biden signed the, the Communist Manifesto? I mean, uh, you know, uh, Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. I said, of course not. He signed Bernie Sanders' Communist Manifesto. That's what he signed. But they talked about the Green New Deal. He talked about, you know, get, by phasing out of oil and gas, because it's such a finite thing, I, he said, uh, we need to phase back into air, uh, the windmills and, and, and sun and solar and whatnot. And I said, yeah. I said, Australia's done that. Australia did that. Australia jumped into that, folks. And Australia ended up, again, with warmer houses in the summer, colder houses in the winter. Australia's homes right now have cheap, shoddy uh, heating systems and cooling systems, electrical systems. They have cheap, shoddy systems that are in constant disrepair. Constant. I can remember the automobiles of the 70s. Uh, I mean, I'm old enough. I can say that I remember them. Some of our listeners remember the automobiles of the 70s and how they used to break down all the time. It's funny when you watch the old TV shows, especially the ones in color, but if any of them really, any of the old TV movies and shows, when you watch the cars pull away from the parking lots on the ground, you know, where the cars park and normal because they're making a movie. So the car pulls away from the street curb where normally cars park all the time or the car pulls away from a parking space in some business where normally cars park all the time. 
because it's a movie, they just pull it away, but they don't try to cover up what's on the ground. And what you're seeing on the ground is what we all remember seeing on the ground underneath cars of the 60s and 70s. And those were grease and oil spots because those cars leaked all the time. Those cars leaked oil all the time. You had to put oil in these cars all the time. They were consistently leaking. These automobiles, brand new, would start to have problems. And, and I mean, I can remember the problems that these cars had. Okay. They just, they weren't well made. And the cost of maintaining these automobiles, the cost of maintaining these vehicles was incredibly costly. And so people spent their money maintaining their transportation instead of spending their money on improving their life and pursuing their happiness. This is what happens when you have to spend your money on something that you normally wouldn't have to spend your money on, then you're not spending your money on something that you want to spend your money on. I can remember when the cars really started getting, well, well, when the cars really started coming out in a quality line, when we started doing less and less repairs, I would submit folks that the automobiles built since 2010 and 2012 are the best automobiles that we've ever had in this country. They don't leak anything. They don't leak anything. Okay, they're very expensive, but they don't leak. And, I mean, you could have an automobile, as long as you take care of it, after 100,000, 120,000, 110,000 or whatever miles on that car, you're still not leaking oil. You're not burning oil. And as long as you don't beat it up and you, and you do the general maintenance well, it, it'll last you. And they do last because they're well-made. See, what happens when the industry gets into something too soon, you end up with a poor product, and then you're forcing the public to buy a poor product. That's what concerns me about the Green New Deal and the forcing into it. I am not objective to effective, efficient solar and wind power. I'm not. I don't think any American would be objective to effective solar and wind power. The problem is, folks, we don't have such a thing. Effective and efficient solar and wind power does not exist yet. It really doesn't. And until it exists, we need to continue on with our with our fossil fuels. We have to continue on with the gas and oil. No one's against efficient, effective wind and solar. The problem is you don't have effective wind and solar. And so they're, they're looking to impose ineffective, inefficient systems on the country, which is going to make people more miserable, spending more of their money to maintain these bad systems. Whatever it is, whether it's transportation, um, whether it's heating or cooling or whatever it is that they've got you doing, whatever it is. Make no mistake, folks, this is what we're talking about here. And that's what I'm concerned about with the Green New Deal and the, and the Sanders Communist Manifesto and what does it mean and what it means. And because we had the media malpractice out there and no and no fake journalist was even attempting to commit an act of journalism because of all of that, America was totally unaware of the promised punishments to success and innovation that the Democrats and the end America make China great again. Democrats had in store for this country. And so they cast their vote against a man that was demonized. I mean, no presidential candidate was called a racist by more people in my in my life. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, Joe Biden called Trump a racist in two different debates, and in, in each of the two debates, as well as off the air, he called them that. He called them he called them all kinds of names like that. I mean, it's one thing to poke fun at people, okay? Like, but you know, to call them like Orange Man or something. I don't know, some bad suntan. I don't know what you want to call them, but to call them a racist, that is that is just evil.
And I, I can't imagine people doing that, but that's what they did. And the media let him get away with it. And to cover up the scandals, they actually asked questions that gave Biden an out of the scandal, i.e. Nora O'Donnell asking the question, is the, the laptop computer that was recovered from the computer repair company in Delaware, was that your son's laptop with all that, with all that? Can, all that uh, bad information on there, all that corrupt information on there, all those corrupt emails. Okay, I mean, was was that his laptop? Instead of asking the question, to have you have, have you or your son or your family used that computer store ever? Instead of asking the question if if the bill of sale was actually signed by 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 Hunter Biden, if that was his signature. Instead of asking if that was Hunter Biden's computer, they asked if it was Russian disinformation. And they allowed Biden to tee it right out. Yes, it's Russian disinformation. It's phony. It's fake. That, my friends, was acting as an enemy of the people. That is the media not being, not committing an act of journalism, but committing an in-kind contribution to Biden's campaign. That's what that was. And again, to not highlight the policies and proper governance. But anyway, getting back to this, we're going to talk more about, I'm going to get a little bit more, I'm going to wind the show up here a little bit about the uh, what's going on with the recounts and whatnot. And I'm going to talk to Annette about that as well. We're going to get into that as well. So, But I'm going to, I'm going to sum the show up here. I'm going to end the show up with some of this. And then we're going to tee it off on our next half hour, which will be at 1 o'clock today with Annette on The Watchman. So... Tune in for our show, The Watchmen, so we can talk about this illegal balloting that's occurring and, and the uh, the voter fraud and, and some more about this Georgia recount, the Arizona recounts, and some of this other information. And that's going to have some great information on that. So we'll get to that when we do. But as I stated, folks, what we're seeing is we have hundreds of thousands of paper ballots, which, according to law, you're supposed to have observers by both parties witness the canvassing of these ballots so they can confirm the chain of custody and call them votes, to call them votes. That's the goal, to take the ballot and to call it a vote. And they have to observe the chain of custody, and that was not done. Again, the, the observers were totally denied access by their being placed more than uh, 20, 40 feet away or whatever from the canvassers. They were fenced off, and the canvassers were able to basically block it. I mean, how do you see signatures on the envelope when you're standing across, you know, 20, 30 feet away? I, I don't know how you do it. Not effectively. You know, and, and again, uh, they defied a court order. So this is what I think is going to happen. And I believe we're going to see this. This was an egregious act of lawbreaking that took place. And I think it's going to be called out. We're also going to get back uh, to what's going on in Georgia. Brad Raffensperger, actually, uh, he's the secretary of state. Uh, we're going to have a YouTube, uh, well, an audio. You'll, you won't see it on the radio, but you'll hear it. It'll come at you very quickly in the, like in the speed of sound. It'll come at you very quickly. But you're going to listen to him say what the uh, what they're doing. And it's very telling. It's like a oh, it's less than a minute. It's like 48 seconds long. And you're going to listen to him break down what they're going to do with these, uh, you know, with these limited risk assessments, audits, if you will. I think it's very telling. And I think this is giving an education to states and what they can do when they want to give the confidence in their elections. You know, the fake news is downplaying the recounts. They really are. But this is absolutely huge. 
And the the abnormalities are significant, folks. And the hand counting is going to reveal illegal ballots. I think the law, I think it's going to, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the U.S. Supreme Court and PA because it's going to come down to that. But they have an option. They have options. They could, they could discount the ballots. They could just declare that the vote, the election can't be certified. They can say, no, we're not letting it be certified. And they won't certify the election and, uh, or they won't certify that race. They, they might allow the other races to be certified, but not that one. Or any race, any statewide race that was decided by like less than 150,000 votes will not be certified or something like that. They can do some things like that. Either way, Trump will, if it goes to the House of Representatives, it's good for Trump. So anyway, and that's kind of like where we're at on this. So be of good cheer, folks. Be of good cheer. Right will prevail. Right will prevail. Don't miss that. You know, um, our listeners need to know that. Right will prevail. Well, folks, we are out of time. Again, tune in later today as we get into the Watchmen. We're going to be getting more into this fraud with Annette. It's going to be a great discussion. So tune in later today for that at 1 p.m. right here on 1180 WFYL AM radio in Southeast Pennsylvania. Folks, thank you for making us your guiding light for truth and objective truth and facts here in Southeast Pennsylvania. We This is why we're here. Thank you for that. We appreciate it. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.